Inter Miami is in the win column in 2021, but only after a dramatic and thrilling comeback victory. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio, aka Miami Total Football Radio. I am your co-host, Franco Panizo, on this week's podcast, and joining me as always is none other than El Primo, Steve Brenner. Steve, how are you doing? Had a couple of days to reflect on Inter Miami's win. So, what'd you think of the game really quickly? We're going to dive into it at depth or in depth a little bit later. But, what'd you think really quickly and how are you doing? Yeah, great. Thank you. Good good to be back. As, good to be on as always. Um, yeah, well, look, brilliant last, what was it, 20 minutes? I think I even texted you at one point saying, This is hopeless. They're terrible. They're not going to do anything. This is, this is rubbish. And all of a sudden, it just, you know, <laughs> just turns around. Just a little bit of luck. Got the goal, got the second goal. Did they deserve it on the on the balance of play? You know, you could argue either, argue either way, but they hung in. They got got the win, and that's it. Just just releases a bit of pressure, and just just helps them now go into the rest of the season. You know, with that win, and then hopefully they can something to build on. It is something for them to build on. I agree with you that they didn't have the greatest game, but they pulled it out in the end. We'll touch on that, and we'll touch on the upcoming game against Nashville SC this weekend as well as all the other recent news surrounding the team. But of course, we have to touch on and start the pod with a bit of sad and heartbreaking news. It was being reported today in Argentina, today, Monday, that Gonzalo and Federico Higuain's mother, Nancy, has passed away after a years-long battle with cancer. And that's obviously heartbreaking news. You never want to lose anybody, especially not a mother. So... Heartfelt condolences to the Iguain family. Not the news you want to start the week with. No, yeah, very, very sad. And you know, our thoughts and, and wishes go to go to his family. And you know, we saw after the game, didn't they? They both, uh, sorry, Federico spoke about uh, his mother and you know how they wanted to dedicate it to her and stuff like that. So yeah, re- really, really sad news. It is sad news. We'll see how it impacts the Iguains and Inter Miami going forward because that's obviously something that might have to be taken into consideration. You know whether they travel outside of the country to go be with the family. We'll we'll see how that all unfolds. It's all very fresh right now, so we don't have a lot of information. But we'll we'll get to that later on in the week and bring you that news as things unfold. Steve, we have a lot to talk about with regards to this game. A lot to analyze. So let's get to it. So Inter Miami picked up its first victory of the season. It was a 2-1 road win over the Philadelphia Union, the reigning supporter Shields holders. And it took, like Steve mentioned earlier, a very dramatic comeback in the final 20 minutes or so of the match. Inter Miami goes with the same starting lineup as in the season. Opener, John McCarthy in goal. Kelvin Leardham at right back. Nicolas Figal at right center back. Leandro Gonzalez Pires at left center back. He takes the captain's arm and from Gonzalo Higuain because they're rotating that this season. Jovan Jones at left back. Gregori at the defensive midfield spot. Blaise Matuidi next to him, but a little bit more advanced in the central midfield. Lewis Morgan on the right wing. Rodolfo Pizarro at the 10. Robbie Robinson on the left flank and Gonzalo Higuain up top. Inter Miami goes down to the Philadelphia Union at Subaru Park in the 54th. Minute Hamido Montero with the goal, and it looked pretty bleak. 
shortly after that. Inter Miami just couldn't get going, couldn't find a way to break through the Philadelphia Union's press. But a stroke of genius from Phil Neville in terms of pulling Rodolfo Pizarro in the 61st, 61st minute and inserting Federico Higuain changed the game. It tilted the game in Inter Miami's favor and... You saw them score two goals in the final 17 minutes. First, Gonzalo Higuain in the 73rd off of a free kick from his brother Federico. Nice headed finish to the inside right post. And then Federico Higuain came up with the game winner in the 83rd minute. Ten minutes later, he scores the winner off of a header himself. Taking maybe a page out of his brother's book there. A clinical header off of an excellent cross from Nicolas Figal. Inter Miami holds on and picks up a 2-1 to victory. Steve, you gave us your quick thoughts. Now give us your expanded thoughts. What do you think of the game and the ability for Inter Miami to pull out this victory? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, they would have, after the match, I think they would have been happy because they were they were up against it. They were really created very, very little up until the two goals. Um, they Defensively, they looked, you know, kind of kind of okay, but they were... They were up against it. I think once Philadelphia took the lead, it was, um, you know, you felt like they were going to concede at any point, really, and they were really you know, up against it. But I think that, that was the key moment, wasn't it? Pizarro, again, I'm sure we'll touch on him in a bit, but it just doesn't, doesn't, wasn't, wasn't really working for him. I know you kept pointing out that Higuain kept dropping too far back, and then once he dropped too far back, they had absolutely nothing going forward. I think he was getting frustrated. There was no service. You know, that's that's where Pizarro should be coming in. He should be feeding Higuain. That that he they should be playing in in tandem if he's going to play. If they are going to pivot like a like a three, then you know they need to feed off each other. And, and Higuain was getting nothing, and that's why he was coming back. But I think when Federico Higuain came on, he just got the ball, he kept giving it, he just was linking midfield and attack. He was in the box. He scored the goal. He assisted for the first goal. He was just doing more. It's not, you know, he just needed there's like a missing link between the sort of midfield and attack. And that's where Pizarro it, that's his role. And I think he just he slows the play down too much. He, he just doesn't they're not passing they're not transitioning quickly enough and when he gets the ball he just slows everything down and I think that was frustrating uh, Gonzalo Higuain and, and it just wasn't working and I think that change helped because then Federico came on he just he gave the, the, gave the ball to picking it up moving it on he was just he was neat and tidy and then he was effective in the box I think that's what they've missed this show for you this pod has become a piñata a birthday piñata. And you are the birthday boy because every week you come on here and just hammer away at Rodolfo Pizarro nonstop. Listen, no, if, he would have, if, he would have, if he would have scored a hat-trick, it would have been absolutely sensational. You still would have, hammer him. You would still hammer him for not scoring four. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I just, I, look, the pressure's on. He's, he's the big, big money signing. He didn't really do much last season and he started off and he has he just hasn't produced it either. And I, I think it's it's frustrating uh, for the for the coaching staff because they know that there's a good player in there. He's just not he's not assertive enough. Um, so there's got to be questions over his future. I will jump into that a little more in detail. Let's. I want to start with the positives and and let's start with the defensive performance. Much noted upgrade from what they looked like in the second half of the season opener. Defensively sound, more like more in line with what we saw in the first half against the LA Galaxy. They did give up a goal nine minutes after halftime. Bit of a sloppy play there. I put some of the blame, if not most of the blame, on Kelvin Leardam, but it was a team breakdown. It wasn't just on any one person. But defensively, they were very good 
on the balance of things over the course of the 90 minutes. And I thought a big part of that was Nicolas Figal and Leandro Gonzalez Pires, the center back tandem, raising their levels to what should be expected of them. I thought Nicolas Figal had an immense game, immense game. He's kind of flown under the radar here because of the storyline with the Iguain brothers scoring, making history as the first brothers in Major League Soccer to score in the same game. But Nicolas Figal was immense. You know, I would give the man of the match to Federico Iguain because he changed the complexion of the game, and I gave him a 9 in my player ratings on SBISoccer.com in the, in the player ratings piece and the analysis piece that I do after every game. But I also gave Nicolas Figal a 9 as well. Tremendous, tremendous performance from him. He sets up the winner as well with that exquisite cross from the right once he got moved over to, to the right-back position. And he almost set up an insurance goal after that with a right-footed cross to Gonzalo Higuain that Andre Blake made a fantastic save on. Great performance from him on both sides of the ball. Great performance from Leandro Gonzalez Pires, who I gave an 8-2. He was a, he was a rock defensively. Solid performance from Inter Miami on the defensive side. Philadelphia Union also did not do a whole lot in the attack over the course of the 90 minutes. They had a couple of looks. John McCarthy came up with one big save, but on the balance of things, John McCarthy was fairly Sorry. was fairly inactive. He didn't have to do a whole lot in in this one. But let's let's go and move to Iguain, Federico Iguain, because I agree with you that he came in and moved the ball faster. And I, I, you know, when I went back and watched the game, I always watch the games a second time. I'm always up till three. Four in the morning on game nights because I rewatch the games and I stop, press play, pause, rewind, fast forward. I actually don't fast forward. That's a lie. Um, so what I saw in, in the in the second viewing of the match was that with Federico Iguain in the game, he moved the ball so much quicker. A lot of one-time passes, a lot of one or two-touch passing. Didn't sit on the ball. Wasn't overly deliberate in terms of his passing. Just was simple and quick with his decisions and it helped Inter Miami tremendously it opened the game up for them and obviously they get back into the game because of a set piece an area they had struggled in last year so that's notable as well but for me Federico Higuain changed the course of the game and I don't think he's a starter I don't think you know he's gonna be a guy that you can count on for 90 minutes week in and week out because at 36 I just don't think he has that much left in the tank to be able to give you that. But I think it's a it's a good piece to have on the bench to dispel Pizarro to maybe start in a game here or there over the course of the year. I'm not sure what you think. Maybe you think, you know, he could be a starter uh, on a more permanent yeah. basis. Yeah, I mean, he's, he, look, he's, I think the, the important thing is he's got experience of playing in the league, which is something that unfortunately Pizarro d- doesn't have. And, you know, even he, he, Gonzalo Higuain said last week that he found adjusting to, to playing in MLS w- was difficult for f- physical physical reasons and just, you know, the, the style of play, the tempo, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, I'd, 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 I'd start him, really. I'd start Federico against Nashville for sure. So you, you would sit Pizarro. You'd, you'd sit your DP, your... I forget how many millions he got paid, but... That the X million yeah. dollar man, you would you would sit him, hundred percent, yeah. yeah. On on the basis of what what we saw on the back end of, of Saturday night, yeah, why not? It's MLS, man. You gotta you know DP is getting benched. I mean, it's not like it's completely Sorry, un- uncommon. It's a, ma- but... it's, a manager, 
Is the manager Don Garber or Phil Neville? I'm, I'm no, sure. no, I mean, sure, but you, I mean, the manager's job is also to get the most out of out of his players, and to to give up on Rodolfo Pizarro after two games into the season would be. It's I mean, not I, giving I would, up. He's not giving up. Not I mean, giving if you're up, be- but, but, if you're benching him after two games, that's a pretty big sign. That's a pretty big sign that you don't. From what I listen, from from what I from what I understand, I, I don't think they've you know he hasn't particularly impressed in in these opening games anyway. Uh, they they think he's a little bit too slow. Um, you know, in terms of possession-wise. So, you know, there's definitely question marks over him, put it that way. They're not really unsure how to, how to use him properly. And he hasn't he hasn't delivered. They've given a couple of games, hasn't done any things, changes to see what happens, see if you get a reaction. Not, I... not going to just oh, go ahead, go cast ahead. him out. To, you know, not, not going to say just hang him out to dry and he'll never play again. But, um, you know, maybe just give him a little 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 uh, little nudge to say, you know, hold on, you know, you need to... Up your game, but I, I don't think we really saw anything from him last season anyway. So I don't even know what I'm actually basing the fact on that he can actually do it in, in this league anyway. I, I'm really not sure what 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 he is because he hasn't really shown anything. I think when you just said a little bit ago that he hasn't shown anything in these first two games, well, that's not true because he that's helps he helps set up the opener in the season opener with a great through ball to Gonzalo Higuain that fed, that then fed uh, who then fed uh, Robbie Robinson. So. To say he has done nothing over these two games is not accurate, in my opinion. I take now, it back. I take that back, Rodolfo. I'm very. I didn't mean that. All <laughs> I meant was, I just think for and, and let's be right. You know, for for, for seventy minutes uh, on Saturday night, you know, Gonzalo Higuain wasn't particularly amazing, was he? Yeah. But you know, he's just he's just there. He's just there. He's just a presence. He's snarling and he's just getting in amongst their faces. I, I, I don't know what how Bizarro is contributing other than just sort of knocking it square and then just slowing everything down. I don't know what else he's doing right now. That's not to say that he can't improve moving forward. But I think when it comes to sort of, move, if there's going to be one player potentially that, that they're going to try and move on, I think Pizarro's name will be sort of beginning to get circulated agents and different things to see what they can do. But I know it's a complex thing of, of trying to get rid of someone who's on a DP contract, which is a different conversation. But I'm sure that, you know, talks will be ongoing in the next few weeks and what how they can do to solve the problem. Listen, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he were moved on. I if I saw that news tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised that they're you know I know transfer windows aren't open right now across the world, but if I saw the headline tomorrow, Rodolfo Pizarro sold to so and so, that would not surprise me because he is a player that was brought on by the previous leadership and was someone that had a very close relationship with Diego Alonso, the former head coach. Diego Alonso at one point last year in Spanish even said. I have a very paternal relationship with Pizarro. He has coached him, he had coached him at two clubs before Inter Miami. It was clearly his guy. He asked for Pizarro to be signed, and that they ended up making that deal happen. So clearly, he was part of the previous leadership's vision for what the team is supposed to be. Team, as we know, has new leadership. Pizarro might not fit that bigger picture in the long term. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up. Uh, moving on in the summer, at the end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised. But obviously, it's a matter of finding someone who's willing to pay a transfer fee for him and figuring out those details, which are not always the easiest thing. So I agree that he needs to raise the level of his performance and do more. Just wanting to make a difference. You just, yeah, but he's not a 10. But he's not a 10. He's not a 10. And I, I don't want to harp on that again because we touched on that last week. We touched on that in other weeks. He's not a 10. Let's let's see this team play that what four. Let's, he's, we've talked about this. I've told you he's an eight. He's an eight that's being played as a ten. He's a central midfielder that can move the ball, box to box facilitator. He's not a creator. 
He's just not a creator, and he's not going to be that for you nine out of ten times. Nine out of ten times, it's just not, it's just not who he is. It's like putting Ryan Shawcross on the wing and asking some, you know, asking Shawcross to beat people with his speed. He's just not that player. So I, mean, I don't. I mean, good I, idea. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, look, I think when it comes to Pizarro, he needs to do more. But I, you know, I also want to see them play the the four three three that we saw at times during the final preseason scrimmage that I asked Phil Neville about. Phil Neville talked about that and said, you know, we like that look at times because it allows him to get more touches on the ball. And that's something else Phil Neville said during preseason. You know, we want to get Pizarro more touches so he can he can influence the game more because he's one of our more technical and better players. So let's see that. Let's see that. Having him play up high limits him. And, you know, I don't think it's best suits him. So that's just my two cents on the matter. We'll see how things unravel or unfold with regards to Pizarro and his performances and his positioning with Inter Miami going forward. I do want to talk about something else you mentioned, and that is Gonzalo Higuain's performance in this one. He scored, and he got a sweet, sweet, sweet taste of redemption because, obviously, like we know, he made his debut in Philadelphia at Subaru Park against the Union last year in September, missed a penalty kick in that match, Philadelphia Union players celebrated the miss very euphorically around him. That led to a little shoving and shouting between him and a few other players. But he scored in this one. He got the header, the equalizer, helps bring Intermione back into the match. He does the shh sound with his finger, his index finger over his mouth. Sweet bit of revenge for him with that goal. He has two goals in two games and an assist. So statistically speaking, he's had... An impact on both games, which is what you want out of your designated player. However, on the balance of play, I agree he has not looked particularly great, especially in this one. I thought the first 70 minutes were very poor from him. Just a lot of dropping deep into ineffective positions, not getting, not being the dangerous type of striker that we know he can be, not getting into the box that often, and just rendering himself largely useless in the attack a lot of obviously like we've seen a lot of frustration visible frustration with his arms wailing about not a good first 70 minutes from him he changed after Federico Higuain came in though yeah I mean yeah it was it was a difficult difficult sort of 70 minutes just because the team weren't you know playing playing very well there wasn't any any particularly good service for him I think you know the midfield were were holding things up and just they were on the back foot for a lot of it. If you remember, I mean, you know, they were the union were you know obviously got a good home record from last season and just yeah they just couldn't into Miami couldn't create anything. There was there was no there was nothing, wasn't there? There was absolutely nothing until they scored. So um, yeah, it's something. Well, there something was something. There was the Robbie Robinson shot that hit off the crossbar that he he yes. earned him for himself by you know intercepting a pass or picking off a pass high up the field. But I mean, but they it, were grimly hanging on rather yes, than actually yes. sort of bossing it and thinking, yeah, we're, we're in it. And it obviously took a set piece to to un- unlock it. But sometimes you just need just that little bit of luck, just something to to go to go your way. Um, but I think yeah, on the on the balance of play, I don't think they would have come in and said, "Oh, well, we absolutely deserve to to win that." They stole it at the end, but that's you know that's that's the way that the cookie crumbles sometimes. Sure, no, they de- absolutely on the balance of play probably did not deserve to win this one, just like they probably did not deserve to lose the season opener. But that's the beauty sure. of of the beautiful game, right? So, 
Uh, yeah, and you've so, noticed world-class Chikorito now has five goals after his amazing hat-trick at the weekend. There was you scoffing, saying what well, he wasn't a world-class player. He's not so, a world-class player. He's not a world-class man. player. He scored. Um, he scored five goals in two games. Okay, he scored. Have you seen some of the goals he scored? Did you see like one of the goals he scored? Brilliant. It was a deflection, and, and well, that deflection was brilliant. The way that he <laughs> off that goal, amazing. And the one that deflected into his path, and I mean, look, credit to him, kudos to him. He has a nose for a goal, like they say in Spanish, un olfato de gol. And that's, you know, what's made his bread and butter. Like, the goal he scored this weekend against the Red Bulls where the ball was essentially deflecting out of bounds, but he never gave up on it and ran and chased it down and scores off of a sliding effort from a tight angle, nearly practically on the on the end line. Uh, incredible effort, incredible goal in terms of how he stayed determined and dedicated with, to that. You, I would like to see Gonzalo Higuain do some more of that. Now, obviously, Gonzalo Higuain is a different player, has different phys- physical strengths and limitations, but I would like to see that hunger in the box because I want to dissect and dive into him dropping deep because that was my lead point in my analysis piece for SBISoccer.com. And I don't blame, necessarily just blame Rolfo Pizarro and you know, all that. I think Gonzalo Higuain just drops back deep because he doesn't really trust his teammates. He doesn't trust them to get him the ball in dangerous spots, so he drops to get involved in the build-up to try to make things happen and create stuff from there. I've seen other strikers do this. I've seen Thierry Henry do this. I've seen David Villa do this. Big-name strikers that have played at the highest levels in Europe and internationally that come to MLS. They're used to a certain level of quality from their teammates. They don't necessarily get that here, so they drop deep to try to get more involved, get more touches on the ball. I understand why he might do that, but it doesn't help Inter-Miami by and large because if you go to that piece on SBISaga.com or just on my Twitter handle or on Miami Total Football's Instagram page, you'll see the images of him. There's multiple that I've taken from the game, stills, where he's in very deep positions. And there's not just one person in front of him not one Inter-Miami player in front of him, but like two, three, four players in front of him. And that's not what you want from your striker because he's not a, he's not a false nine. He's not that type of player. He's not your number 10. He's your goal-scoring striker. You're paying him $8 million reportedly a year to put the ball into the back of the net like he did with that header. His poaching, his finishing is his bread and butter. He needs to get into the box. And Phil Neville has said that, which makes it even all the more mind-boggling that that we're still seeing this this constant habit is constant pension of dropping deep because when he's in the box that's where he's at his most lethal and Phil Neville has said he wants him in the box more often but yet we're not seeing him there often and and it the, the worst part is is that when he drops deep he then doesn't really make that much of an effort to run in and it's like he doesn't have the belief that his teammates are going to get him the ball or I mean, again, that's just from my vantage point on the outside. I don't know what you might attribute it to, but that, to me, that's something that has to be corrected going forward because if Inter-Miami is going to avoid needing to pull games out of or pulling rabbits out of hats late, they need they need to get more from him from the run of play. He hasn't scored. That's another note. Another interesting and I think not coincidental note. He has not scored yet from the run of play in 11 MLS matches dating back to last year. He scored off a free kick, a penalty kick, and now off of a header that came off a free kick from his brother. Yeah, I mean, I think he just gets frustrated. He doesn't get any service. And he's, he's, he's the best player on the team. And I think, you know, if, you, if you're the best player, you want, you want the ball, you want to get involved. You know, you can make a difference 
if the ball's not coming to you, you're going to have to drop deep to get it. So maybe he's going against coach's wishes or whatever. We don't know. But I think it just smacks of, of frustration of, of the team not being able to create enough chances. If they were kept slipping him through and he was, he was on to goal, for, you know, every every 10 minutes, then that would have been great. But he just he was starved of service. He was barely, barely t- was touching the ball. And I think that just, yeah, that, that paints to a more sort of endemic problem with, with the team in terms of how they can actually try and get the ball in the box. Because so if you get the ball in the box to him, I think nine times out of ten, he's probably going to score. But it's just getting the ball to him in the first place, which is the problem. Sure, but he also has to stay there so that his teammates have the reference point up top, the spearhead of the attack, that they know he's there to feed him that ball instinctually. Not necessarily they have to look for him every single time. They just have to know that he's there to whip in a cross or, or play a pass and, and hope that he's you know able to, to resolve and, and, and finish them off. Because if they don't have that belief, if they don't have that intuition or that sixth sense to just say, he'll finish it, he's in there, they're going to be reluctant to pull to pull the trigger. It's like a you know chicken or egg dilemma for me because if he's always dropping back, are they going to trust to feed him in the box? Are they going to trust that he's in there to finish things off? Just as you know, he also has to try to get his touches on the ball. I get why he might do it, but he need, like I don't know if Phil Neville has to drill it into him or or what. But he needs to stay in that box because you could see it on a few plays. You know, there's there's the one play where Robbie Robinson dribbled near the end line and he should have released it to Iguain sooner or Pizarro sooner because they were both there crashing the box. But you have to be there. You have to make those runs. And it's thankless at times, the striker position, because you, you might not get the ball, but you have to make those runs. And, and that's another thing that I'll note really quickly. With him always dropping deep, and I know at this point in his career at 33, he's not the fastest guy. He probably was never the fastest guy. But he needs to help stretch that back line and find those spaces in behind. Because sure, Rodolfo Pizarro might not be playing through balls left and right because he's not a traditional number 10. But at the same time, it's so much easier to defend when everything's in front of you. If you're a team and you're a defense and everything's in front of you, you never have to worry about a through ball coming in behind because that forward's not making the runs. Well, then that makes your defensive job so much easier. So for me, he needs to he needs to find a ways to be more selfless and you know put the team first a little bit more. Sacrificing his energy, his fitness, whatever, staying in the box, making runs in behind... Uh, diagonal runs in behind to try to help open things up because what he's doing right now for me is not working for Inter Miami. No, you're right. Uh, they need to they need to sort it out. But I just um, his sort of lack of influence probably isn't as worrying as Bizarro. But let's leave Bizarro alone now. <laughs> you're done. You're done battering this weekend. Okay, um, no, or this week. <laughs> you can see. You can see. You can see with Iguain that he's got. He's you know he's clearly you know a, a great player and and can definitely affect the game. You know, at, at, at this level, for sure, it's just uh, yeah, the team just have to kind of be more cohesive as a unit and, and get him, you know, chances, which is what the, you know they're trying to do. But as of yet, in the first couple of games, we've we've not seen it yet. So let's let's see what happens next week or this weekend. Okay, Steve. Well, quickly, anybody else impress you in this game? Anyone stand out besides some of the players we've already mentioned? Uh, I thought um, Matuidi was pretty solid. Gregorio was pretty solid. I thought Robbie Robinson sort of, you know, ran hard. And actually, that was a that was a shame, wasn't it, when he when he got injured because he was. I actually thought that he was doing he he'd done pretty well up up until that point. Um, a couple of question marks maybe against the fullbacks again. Maybe yeah, did okay, but but not not amazing. But like you say, I think Figal and Gonzalez Perez were were, were definitely you know 
star man in terms of just keeping everything solid. I thought McCarthy was was pretty solid as well. And then obviously when Phil that Figal actually impressed a lot when he moved to right back, and then Shawcross came in and sort of steadied things up. And then obviously he's he was his cross for the uh, for the for the winner. So um, I think there was solid. Just sort of solid performance, wasn't it? No, no one particularly outstanding other than, than Federico Higuain, but um, just solid. What about you? So I, I've already said I thought Federico Higuain, Nicolas Figal were both a cut above everybody else. I thought Leandro González Pires was right behind them. In terms of anybody else that impressed me, I thought Matuidi had a good game before he was subbed out due, due to fatigue, probably. I also thought Victor Ulloa off the bench was was pretty good in terms of doing what he needed to do he didn't play that much but he helped break things up when he was on the field and he also played that very good through ball in behind the defense that almost led to the insurance goal from Gonzalo Higuain so I liked what I saw from Leo off the bench who notably or not is the fourth captain that Phil Neville has named this year now one final thing I want to touch on in this game that I think deserves some discussion I wish I could have fit it into my post-game piece for SBI Soccer because I think it was worthy of a shout, but I always leave it to just three thoughts and player ratings. Phil Neville learning from his week one mistakes and making quicker subs and more impactful subs. That helped change the game. That was key. That was what helped turn things around. We obviously give props and credit to Federico Higuain for turning the match around. But I thought Phil Neville's decision-making here in terms of managing the match, especially in that second half, I thought that was that was a big difference for Inter-Miami. Yeah, that's what you want to do, you know, it, it, especially in a squad where they don't have a lot of options. You know, it's not like Man City or Chelsea or Barcelona where they can just throw on a $300 million player and say, right, okay, you, you go and do it now. He hasn't been doing it. They're, they are... You know, they're, they're, they're outside of the top of the main, you know, first 11. There's not too much to choose from. So it would have really pleased him to, to have made, that, made that, that change and for it to, to, have, to have come good. You know, like I say, he doesn't have a lot of options off the bench. So if it was a like-for-like, like, I guess probably Federico Higuain was, was probably the like-for-like like for Pizarro, if you, if, if you like. And um, it worked. It doesn't always work, as you know, uh, but this time it did. You know what was notable to me about it all is that during the post-game press conference... Someone, I forget who it was, but someone asked him about subbing in Shawcross and Uyoa late in the game and what looked to be him closing up shop to try to leave it at 1-1 and get out of Philadelphia with a point. And in his response, I thought it was notable that he that Phil Neville said, I made subs earlier this week or this, this time. Like, like almost as if he knew that that criticism of him existed or he was aware that maybe he held on to his substitutions too long in week one. That That's just how I perceived it. If that's the case, you know, kudos to him for recognizing the errors he had and correcting them. Because again, that that was as key as anything to Inter-Miami's comeback win in this one. But let's leave it there, Steve. Let's, let's take a quick break. We still have to talk about the upcoming game against Nashville SC. So... We'll touch on that after this. Uh, I think speaking from real experience, having played with a brother with a brother for a long time, there is there is a special bond when you're in the same team, even though Federico and Gonzalo obviously are just teammates. There is there is there is a love, there's a bond, there's an understanding. Um, because I had the same feeling. I had the same feeling with my brother. So 
All right, Primo, we're going to jump into the Nashville SC game this weekend. But before we do that, we have to touch on the non-update on Blaze Matuidi. Don Garber said in the season opener at halftime, we were both there for the scrum, that there would be an update on the Matuidi investigation, a.k.a. what I dub Matuidi Gate, at the end of this week. And by this week, he meant last week. But we didn't get an update. What did you think about that? What, did you Were you surprised that we didn't get an update or standard procedure for MLS? Well, our friends at MLS and one friend in particular we both know, um, he, he he said to us, didn't he, that, that he'd been fielding a lot of calls and that, that, that these investigations take a long time. So the timeline of Don Garber saying, yes, we'll know this week, you kind of took it with a, with a bit of a pinch of salt. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of rumbling on, isn't it? It must be a very, very thorough investigation i'm sure they're placed between his house now looking under his pillows or in his in his drawer <laughs> or in his cupboard seeing what's there um no, I, I just if if anything just serious one moment it's um maybe it is it is, it is a very complicated way of you know they're, they're obviously trying to trace the money trail of, of everything that's sort of gone down in terms of what Matweedy was given and what's gone through the books and what hasn't gone through the books and it's clearly stuff that he's been giving given away from the books or something that's not been recorded properly that they're trying to nail down exactly um but you know we were led to believe all that all that was done so whether why why it's taken another two weeks to decide what punishment are going to get um yeah maybe maybe there was more to be done we're not we're not sure we don't know anything do we that's the thing we just we're purely speculating because details of this investigation has been pretty scant i said this to a friend the other day on whatsapp we on the reporting side and i'm not just saying you and i but all of us on the media side not just locally nationally we've done a terrible job in this in this story or on this story because we have gotten very little reported out there for our listeners for Soccer fans, we just haven't gotten much. So MLS has done a good job of keeping it close to the vest, and us on the reporting side have not done a good job. We're gonna keep trying to dig and see what we fu- what we can find or what we can hear to to give you all. But you know, MLS has been airtight on this one. So so far, we don't have much else to add. Now let's switch over to this weekend's game against Nashville SC. They play on Sunday afternoon against Inter Miami, and the game is at Nissan Stadium. Steve, Nashville was defensively sound last year, and they earned a lot of plaudits for that, a lot of praise for how good they were defensively as an expansion team. A lot of the same team is back. However, they have started the season somewhat surprisingly with a pair of draws, a pair of 2-2 two to two draws. The first one, I guess, FC Cincinnati, which just got throttled this weekend by New York City FC by a 5-0 mark, and then Nashville tied at home against Montreal CF. 2-2 two two again, and in this one, Nashville had to come from behind to, to get a result. So they were down 2-0 in this game. Both of their matches so far have been at home. This next one against Inter-Miami for them is at home. What do you think of the match? What do you expect from Nashville SC? Yeah, I mean, look, they were impressive, weren't they, in that, in that, in that playoff game? Dax McCarthy was, was running things in, in, in the middle, and they just seemed a, a better, cohesive unit than, than Inter Miami did at that point, where they were pretty shambolic, just didn't get into the playoffs as a result, really, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, I think they'll, they'll draw a lot. It's, it's pretty much the same team, bar a few players that's going to be playing. Uh, but I think maybe they're, they're, they're into this game in a, in a different 
a different mindset. They were never really in, in the playoff game, were they? I think they were got comprehensively sort of beaten. Uh, but maybe they can take a little bit of uh, solace from the fact that, you know, yeah, Nashville haven't really started. They were two, two goals down against Montreal the weekend and then, um, and then you know, managed to, to get back. So maybe they're defensively, they're, um, they're suffering from a bit of second season syndrome. So we'll have to wait and see. They also have Dylan Nealis on their rosters, the former Inter-Miami player that was traded a few weeks ago. I think for Inter-Miami, with the defensive frailties that we've seen through Nashville or in Nashville through these first two games, I think Inter-Miami could exploit that. I think Inter-Miami could have more of the ball, maybe even win the possession battle in this one. They haven't won a possession battle through these first two games of the 2021 regular season. So I think we could see Miami have more of a chance to dictate the tempo and be the protagonist. We'll see what they do because, look, again, we don't have any information as of today, Monday, because everything's so fresh and new. But I would imagine there's a possibility that Gonzalo Higuain and Federico Higuain are not available for the game because maybe they travel to Argentina to be with their family. I would imagine it's a possibility. Again, that's not information. That's just what I, I'm just thinking here as the news has just unfolded over the last few hours about their mother's passing. If they're not available, those are, especially in terms of Gonzalo, that's obviously a big loss from the starting lineup. So we'll see who steps up if they're not available. But what are the keys to the game for you? Let's let's assume that Gonzalo and Federico Higuain are available. What are the keys to the game for you for Inter-Miami? As, as we've mentioned before, I think get, getting getting the ball to Gonzalo Higuain when he's actually in the box or in, in, the, in the final third, we, you, don't, you don't want him dropping back. I think that's the whole point of having Gregore and, and, and Matuidi in midfield and Lewis Morgan. They're, they're, they've got to do the, I guess, the hard yards with Morgan, maybe just a bit of, bit of creativity in there alongside our friend Pizarro uh, if he plays. Um, so I just think they need to, yeah, they need to create, create more chances. I think when push comes to shove, I think defensively they can just about sort of hold their own. I think they can they can keep repelling attacks and and, and, and be as solid as they want. I just think that the problems just tend to mount when they're just trying to trying to trying to score goals. But then we saw in the opening game they looked really good in attack, were flying forward the whole time. But yet they looked susceptible at the back. So it's just it's striking a balance. And it sounds simple, and that's what. Soccer is, isn't it? You've got to key the ball out and, and score a goal, but it, it can be difficult if you haven't got the right yeah, pieces to fit fit the jigsaw. And it's just maybe there's just one or two players that just aren't really fitting into that into that system maybe right, right now. And, and unfortunately, through no fault of their own, and you know, it's it's, it's a terrible tragedy. Uh, yeah, if they're going to be missing those two guys, and it, it puts extra places on the squad. But you know, as I said, it's um, there are more important things in life than, than playing Nashville away. So you know, our, our, our thoughts go out to them, but it's gonna it's gonna cause them a few problems as well. For me, the keys to the game are or is the width for Inter-Miami. That's the key for me in this one. How much can they get from the wide players? Not only the fullbacks who... They've done okay defensively over these first two games, but they haven't given a whole lot to the attack, in my opinion. And that's probably due to their fitness levels and not being at peak fitness because they arrived to preseason camp Late, They were signings that happened during preseason and then they, they came in after partaking in international duty. They're still working their way up to full fitness. Not only from them, though. From Lewis Morgan on the right, 
who has uncharacteristically been very quiet on the whole of these last two games, and whoever plays on the left side. Because, like you mentioned earlier, Robbie Robinson came out of this last game with an apparent hamstring injury. Phil Neville said after the win against Philadelphia that they took him off for precautionary reasons. Again, it's Monday. We haven't had any availability with the team. We haven't heard anything from our sources yet. But I would imagine that Robbie Robinson does not play this weekend. Non-contact hamstring injuries tend to be something that take a bit of time to recover from. I I, I think it's hard to envision, at least for me, I think it's just hard to see Robbie Robinson starting this weekend after seeing how he went down. And if you didn't see the play or you, you know, you didn't have a close eye on it, he pulls up while trying to make a long dribble down the left right before halftime. And he just feels something after he, or right before he passes the ball. And then he kind of just clutches to his leg and, and, and goes down to the ground as the halftime whistle blows. And then he was subbed off at halftime, obviously. So, I don't think he'll play. So whoever goes there at left mid and Lewis Morgan plus the fullbacks, that width is going to be important. You, they have to produce something to get Iguain the ball uh, and, and to help create some stuff for Inter Miami in the final third. Yeah, sort of, you know, with the fitness thing as well, you know, that that is an ongoing situation, isn't it? So now they've they've got two leg games under their under their wing, so to speak. Um, you know, so hopefully they're a bit more in their legs. That's why he wants to play that sort of pressing game, push wide. You know, you keep keep the keep the pressure on in that in that final third. Work hard to try and get the ball back when they're out of possession. And it just it takes energy. It takes a lot of energy to 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 do that to be on it for the complete ninety minutes. So um, yeah, with those sort of changes coming in, it's going to be difficult if if you know players aren't up to speed. But I think with now three weeks in, hopefully that that fitness is beginning to sort of uh, kick in and maybe the, also the humidity will be slightly different in Nashville I guess as it was opposed to being here although I'm sure it wasn't very humid on in Philadelphia on Saturday night so that that fitness topic is something that we should provide an update on for those that may not be aware Phil Neville I asked him last week about how long he thinks it'll take for the team to get the full fitness and he said they would probably take them another three or four maybe even five he said so it was definitely three or four or maybe five games so that's like another three, four weeks, which is what I thought would be the case last week when we were just going off of what we thought or how long we thought it would take. But in this game against Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is a more direct team, so that also helped Inter-Miami in terms of possession, but in this game against Philadelphia, you saw Inter-Miami press more. And that's one thing that we didn't talk about when we mentioned Pizarro that I think deserves to be said. He presses a lot. And he expends a lot of energy on the defensive side pressing in deep positions. Because Gonzalo Higuain, we know his physical limitations, especially at 33. He doesn't press all that much. He doesn't just doesn't have the, the legs to do that. So Pizarro, when they're on in a defensive posture, practically stands up there almost like in a 4-4-2, your beloved 4-4-2. And he does a lot of the pressing to help not make the opposing teams build out so comfortable. So he expends a lot of energy on the defensive side. So that makes it even more important for for me, again, for the width, the wingers, Kelvin Leardam, Jovan Jones, Lewis Morgan, and potential mystery player on the left to create things. Because Inter Miami might be a little more fit. They might be able to press a little bit more, but they're going to need to get more from, from their wings. Quickly, Steve, to wrap up this segment, give me any changes you see in the lineup 
that you think and your prediction. Well, you know, it's going to be it's going to be enforced, isn't it? So you would say definitely that you know Robinson, I guess maybe would a lower come in for for him potentially, or or Carranza, one of the, one of those two. He's going to have to have a, re, a reshuffle, isn't he? And sort of maybe he won't play as wide, and maybe condense it more in the middle. It's you know it's it's difficult, like I say, going over all ground, but when he hasn't got too many options, so um, it's just the way and see. I bet he'd be praying that Robbie Robinson is, is going to be fit, but sometimes when when they pick up in players, pick up injuries, and there's sort of no one around them. That's there's always a sort of surefire sign that it's not, it's not great. So, um, but I think they will go there and with renewed um, sort of hope after Saturday. But I think, and, and as I mentioned, if they're potentially going to be losing both Higuains as well, it's going to be really difficult. So I think if you if you said now, would you take a draw? They'd probably take it. So I'm going to answer the question I just gave you a little more directly because you didn't give me a lineup, but it's okay. It's okay. I will say. McCarthy, Leardam, Figal, Gonzalez Pires, Jones, Gregory, Matuidi, Morgan, Pizarro. The left mid spot will be between, if Robbie Robinson can't go, Breck Shea, Josh Penn, maybe Edison Ascona, although I doubt it. Jay Chapman was the one that came in into the weekend at that spot, so I guess he's an option there as well. I'll predict that it'll be Josh Penn. That's my prediction. He didn't dress on the weekend, but he played in the first game. I would predict it's Josh Penn on the left or Lewis Morgan on the left and Josh Penn on the right. However you want to you want to look at it that way and Gonzalo Higuain up front. I could I could those I could see if the Higuains are available for this game. I could see maybe Federico getting a start at the 10 and Rodolfo being moved out to the left. I could see that but that's if the Iguains. It's it's going to be unlikely they're going to play, isn't it? I think, unfortunately, it's, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the, one of those things. The more I, the more I think about it, the more I would. And again, this is just Monday. Things can change between now and the game, or news might come out between now and the game. I would imagine that it does come out, uh, or news comes out before the game. We'll have availability at some point this week to ask questions as well. So, but you know, the more I think about it today, sitting here on Monday, I think that they will not be available. And if they're not available, then Julian Carranza for me starts up top, and you got then you, you keep Pizarro at the ten, and again Josh Penn on the left or right, and Lewis Morgan on the other on the other flank. My prediction's a one zero win. Inter Miami picks up another road victory. It won't be easy. It might be ugly, but I think they'll get they'll get a win this weekend. Let's take another quick break, Steve. We'll come back for our Q and A session and our final thoughts after this. Okay, Steve, Q&A time. We've got a few, so let's try to run through them as quickly as possible. First one comes from Gabe P. What's your opinion on the two games of Robbie? I think he is playing so good. Figal is playing so good. I think he will be the best defender of the Eastern Conference. Steve, what's your opinion on Robbie Robinson through these first two matches? You know, definitely impressed. You know, he was, um, I kept saying, ad nauseum to people that, you know, watching him coming in last season uh, at the start, you know, just come from Clemson was such a massive step up. 
um, you know, for any, for anyone to, to go up from, you know, college, train to MLS, but maybe, you know, a year under his belt, training, he's been training with the team, fitter, stronger, all that all that stuff. And yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely impressed. And then Phil Neville actually name-checked him pretty early on, didn't he, when we, when we first spoke to him, that he's, he was one of the players that, that impressed him. Um, and I think he's he's doing great, and that's why it was just a shame that you know he, he picked up the injury when it when it when he did. So let's hope it's not too serious, and he can uh, he can get back sooner rather than later. I don't share on this one the optimism. I think he's had a decent showing through these first two games. I think again, this is a position he's growing into. He's learning, so I think he will get better with a more understanding of the position and what it entails. But I still think he leaves something to be desired in terms of his decision making and his technique but I do think that he's good when he has space when he's able to run at defenders in one-on-one situations I think that's where he can really thrive and where he's shown probably his most promising qualities in these first two games or this first game and a half that he's played in the next one is not a question comes from Carlos Agobi he says Franco it looks like Iguain's mother passed away rest in peace wouldn't be surprised if they don't play this weekend we've touched on that and again, I think we were both of the stance, you and I, Steve, that as of today, Monday, we just don't see them playing this weekend. Now, there is a question of if they travel outside the country to go to Argentina to be with their family, will they have to quarantine upon return? They've obviously gotten the first shots of the vaccination, but you know how will MLS deal with that? It's It's to be determined. We'll see what happens or how it unfolds. Next question comes from Joseph E. After hearing the sad news, it's safe to assume Iguain Brothers won't be available this week. If they travel out of the country, when would they be allowed to play? Would they have to be quarantined? So I just answered that question, I guess, right before I I read this one. So I think it's pretty straightforward there. Next one comes from Steve Munoz. What do you think about the accusation by Philly fans towards Miami fans about punching women and throwing beer? No evidence, just hearsay. I hadn't heard. I hadn't heard that. I had not heard that at all. Um, no. So no, I don't. We, I can't. I can't really comment on that. So it's possible, possible to say anything, isn't it? Yeah, I haven't heard anything. I haven't read anything. I haven't seen anything with regards to that. So, I mean, I just I don't have any any thoughts about that. Just that's this is the first I've I've read about such a thing. Next question comes from Eric. How do you think Shawcross did, and do you see him getting more playing time? Steve, you can start here. I thought he. I mean, you're going to say that he, you know, I'm just bigging him up because he's English, um, but that's not true. I thought he came on and looked pretty solid. Remember, he hasn't played much football at all. Um, you know, I thought he he came on. He, yeah, he, he did everything that was asked for him. Um, um, he pushed Figal out wide, and then obviously that resulted in the cross. So looked, yeah, he, he looked he looked okay, and he's had probably four or five weeks now um, training. So, look, it could be one option that he comes in, Figal, you know, pushes right, and then they can even push uh, Leerdam f- further forward. I mean, you know, it's, it's it's a possibility, isn't it, after what, what we saw. But, yeah, I mean, he looked, he, looked, he looked okay. I thought he looked solid, especially in the air, as you would expect someone of his height to be when he came in. But he only played 11 minutes, so I can't rave about his yeah, performance. Um, I thought it was a solid debut solid cameo from him i do think it might have given phil neville something to think about in terms of when players get closer to full fitness when Shawcross is closer to to full fitness and then gets into more of his rhythm i do think maybe we could see figal on that right back spot and Shawcross starting in the middle next to leandro gonzalez pires but 
we'll see because I think we'll still see Leardam and, and Jovan Jones at, the, at those fullback spots for the foreseeable future. Next question, Steve, comes from Tweeter. That's just that's just his name, Tweeter. Inter-Miami got their first win of the season four games fewer than last season. They also scored their first set-piece goal of the season when they struggled all last season. Now they had a comeback win against the CONCACAF Champions League team. How much credit will you give to Neville for the progress made so far? It's early days, isn't it? He's only played two matches, proper matches, I guess. Um, but as you mentioned before, he learned from his mistakes. He made the right call at the right time in terms of the substitutions uh, on, on Saturday night, and they, they worked really well. Um, and I think, yeah, the team responded pretty well from from the fact, from what was, you know, quite a disappointing defeat in the end, which, you know, would, would have hurt them because they were in the game against the Galaxy for, for long periods. So, um, yeah, it's, just, it, it's early, early days for, for everyone. You know, players, the staff, the front office, every, everything. But I think, um, yeah, it, it's progress. I just think wins like that, one on Saturday night, just helps, just changes the mood and just, you know, the week building up to the national game. Everyone will be on a more of a high. Whereas if they would they would have lost, then we would have talked about, oh, no, they're going to go 3-0 and oh, and now they're going to go to 5-0. and oh, You know, so it's, I just think this just, just diffuses everyone, just lets everyone breathe a thing and then it can enjoy the build up to what is going to be a, a big game. Look, for me, I gave Neville credit for his substitutions this week where I criticized him for his substitution decisions a week ago. So as for the team getting a result and a set-piece goal and, and those things, I think that is credit to Neville. Like It's credit to the entire leadership that the team has now. A leadership that appears to be more in line with one another in terms of the vision for the squad. Whereas last year... And we don't need to revisit it at depth because we've talked about it ad nauseum. You had a sporting director who maybe hired a coach that didn't fit the philosophy he wanted or expected. And the players that were part of the squad necessarily didn't fit what the coach wanted or expected from the vision he saw for the team. So it just was one kind of jumbled, disjointed mess last year. Whereas this year seems like everyone's kind of more on the same page. And I think that helps in terms of what a team is. So I think that's also that, you know, that's Neville deserves some credit, but I think the entire leadership deserves some credit. But it's, but like Steve said, it's early days. Next question comes from Tank721. He asked, what will the starting lineup for this week be? We've touched on that, although I'm not sure if you gave me a left mid and a, and a striker, assuming the Iguanians are not around. I don't know if you you gave me one. I could be wrong. I'm trying to think back. I don't think you did. It's just too complicated, I think, to give a, um, a team right now. We have to wait and see. Too, too many imponderables. I, hey, look, I said Josh Penn and I said Julian Carranza. That's, but, he, so. he, likes Ch- he must like Chapman as well when he threw him on on the weekend. Yeah, but yeah, Jay Chapman's more of a center midfielder and I don't think he did a good job playing there at left mid. I think he's really struggled to find the game. I think he felt uncomfortable out there on the left because he's not, he's not a winger. But, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. Certainly a possibility um, for, from Phil Neville. Next question comes from Fighting Herons. The fullbacks have not been involved in the attack much so far. They rarely seem to get past the top of the 18-yard box. Would you like to see them more involved or better to have them stay back for defensive cover? I'll start here, Steve, if that's okay. I think, or I would personally like to see them get more involved in the attack like we saw from Nicolas Figal when he was moved to right back and then he started delivering some service and some crosses, including one to Gonzalo Higuain that almost led to a third goal for Inter-Miami. But I think we haven't seen that because I think they're, one, they're 
limiting how often they make those runs because they're not at full fitness. That's just what I perceive. It's not information. It's just what I perceive from watching the games. And I would imagine that Phil Neville also doesn't want them going up and down nonstop given that they're not at full fitness because that can leave holes in the back if they don't have you know, the lungs to make the, the darting run back to, to cover space. So that's just what I think. That's just my analysis of what I've seen from them so far. How about you, Steve? Yeah, I think I think you're right. Maybe they they they're coming into a preseason as well, so they hadn't played too many games. They they're fresh, aren't they? They have they've only haven't been training with the team a, a number of weeks. So I think it's just getting you know the message across and then dealing with fitness and, and everything like that. So, um, uh, but you don't want them flying too far forward because then they're going to get hit on the counter and they're not going to have enough energy to to get back. So um, I can imagine him maybe just urging them maybe just to to hold back a bit until they can sort of properly get up and down the pitch. The questions keep raining in. As as I'm speaking here, as I'm trying to, you know, thinking that I'm wrapping it up, they just keep coming in. So the next one comes from Can't See Me, Jorge. Do you think we could see a starting lineup where Pizarro and Figal are moved to the outside and Federico and Shaw Cross are slotted into the middle? Based on the first two games, this could be a more dynamic starting 11. Let's assume he's not talking about this weekend. Let's assume he's talking about longer term, later in the year. Do you think we could see that? Because I, I definitely think we could see Shaw Cross in the middle, Figal on the right. And I definitely think we could see at some point Federico getting a start at the 10 because he is a 10, where Pizarro is not, and Pizarro being pushed out wide to the left. He's not a natural winger, of course, but I think we could see that just to try to maximize positions there. From, from yeah, abs- yeah, absolutely. Definitely would have been boosted by why, you know, how Figal... A decent performance once we pushed outside and onto onto the right hand side. Um, yeah, I think that's that's the key, isn't it? Especially when in a, in a league where you can't bring in rafts of players, you know, all, all the time. You've got to try and deal with what you what you've got right now. So, um, you know, I definitely think Federico Higuain gives them gives them an option. Aloha can play in in central midfield. They've got Carranza as well, so they can sort of mix everything up. He definitely knows. I think everyone knows his sort of starting eleven. It's just how can he just fit everything else in around him. So it seems like we're going to get an answer out of you on this pod, Steve, because we have one final question from Eric. He says, okay, one last question. In the unfortunate but understandable event that the Iguain brothers are unable to play this weekend, who do you guys see starting at the ninth spot? Do you guys think they will sit Robbie Robinson out for this game? If so, who starts in his place? Thanks. So, Steve, I've already given my answers. Um, let's hear yours. I mean, he hasn't got many options, has he? Really? I mean, if, who 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 else do you play for? I mean, it has to be Carranza. I would have thought that's the only only option I can, I I, yeah. I can think of. Yeah. What about what? A, what about a left mid if Robbie Robinson can't go? Yeah, maybe Breck Shea then. Maybe Breck Shea or move. Well, I guess maybe move one of the fullbacks up. Mm. But that's mm. what's on the other side, though. Um, I guess Breck Shea. He never sort of lets you down, does he? But again, he he hasn't really played too much either. He's been he's been sick and. It hasn't hasn't really been training as much, I don't think, as, as the others. So, um, yeah, it's 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 difficult, isn't it? But if I had to go for one, I'd say him. Steve, as you were saying that, right, or as right before you you mentioned that, I thought this thought came to me, and actually, I think I'm actually more convinced that this is a real possibility. I think we could see Jovan Jones move from the left back spot into the left midfield spot because he has played there in the past. He just played there for his national team Trinidad and Tobago back in March. I think we could see him play there. Yeah. Inter Miami has talked about him being an option there in the past. They noted that he can play in the midfield during their announcement, their press release announcing his signing. So I think 
if fitness-wise he can hold up because he's been subbed out of the first two games, I think he could start at that left midfield spot. And Sammy Gadiri, who has been his replacement at left back when he's been when there's been substitutions from Phil Neville, I think Sammy Gadiri could get the start. The Boca Raton native who played for Fort Lauderdale CF, I think we could see him at left back and Jovan Jones at left midfield if fitness from Jovan Jones is adequate enough that you know they could see him playing that position and giving you the two-way play that you need from that spot that's just what you know that's just what I think now and I actually could definitely I definitely think we could we could see that okay Steve oh wait sorry nope not not done yet one last question it comes it snuck right in from Villa where's Carranza that's just his question two words where's Carranza on the bench (laughs) he has been um no yeah he's been on the bench he hasn't played you know, I, I I expect that we'll see him this weekend, regardless of whether Gonzalo Higuain is available or not. I think we'll see Julian Carranza in some capacity. That's just my my gut feeling. I think, given what Nashville is in a matchup, more defensive minded, I think we will see Julian Carranza at some point this weekend. Okay, Steve, that legit is it. There's no more questions. Boom. What, <laughs> what are what are your final thoughts? Yeah, look, a good win. I think, like, like we say, I think the pressure comes off them a bit for this week, building up to this game. It's not going to be easy. I think they're going to have memories of, of the, the beating they, they took in the, in the playoff game. But different mindset, a few different players. Well, we're going to be potentially missing some players. So um, I think it's going to be pretty much the same as Saturday. Not not pretty on the eye, maybe, to start with. But they've just... They, they can they can grind it out. They know they can. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. My final thought. I think I've said everything I, I have to say about the team this week. But my final thought is, if you're a devout Miami Total football radio listener, if you are a hardcore Inter Miami fan, stay tuned to this podcast. Stay tuned to our YouTube channel and stay tuned to our Instagram account because we are going to be doing a couple of giveaways in the next week or two before the next home game for sure so you know i want to try to get this these items into the hands of of you guys if that's at all possible before the next home game but we have one item that i think you guys will like but one item that's pretty exclusive that i think you guys will really like so if you're not following us on all three of those, follow us on all three of those. I haven't worked out how I'm going to do the giveaways, but yeah, just stay tuned because we, you know, I've, I've already kind of teased it out on some of the social channels, but yeah, if, if you if you don't follow us on those on those channels, follow us because we'll be doing that very very soon. But that about does it for this week's show. We'll be back again next week, aiming for our regular Monday night time slot to record and dropping it on Tuesday morning. For Steve Brenner, I am Franco Penizo. We'll talk to you guys again next